sports world moves quick, and today's episode is a prime example of that. Russell Wilson reportedly wants out of Seattle and wants to go to the New York Giants, according to Colin Coward of The Herd. The news was huge. It will send shockwaves around the league, whether it's true or not. It alters the climate of the NFL that is already in a unique place. Birdo of Sports Libs and I break that down in today's episode that originally was supposed to come out on Saturday, but now Saturday's episode will be an excellent interview with Sam Straub, quarterback of Southern Illinois University's team, and how he is preparing for the NFL. But today's episode is Birdo from Sports Libs, and we break down all the news with Russell Wilson, the climate of the NFL, fantasy football, and more. Hope you guys enjoy. Yo, what's up? Welcome to the Ambitious Podcast. My name is Dylan Price, and on today's episode, we have the number one fantasy football advice giver and all-around football genius, Birdo from Sports Lives, on the phone. How are you doing, Birdo? I'm doing great, and thanks for the introduction, Dylan. It feels, uh, feels good to be on the show. Thanks for having, or thanks for coming on. Um, I wanted to talk to you over the phone for a while now. You helped me so much throughout fantasy season, and I could not have done as well as I did without you and your constant advice. Glad to hear that, bud. So, shifting back a few weeks now, who is your pick in the Super Bowl, and what repercussions do you think the big game will have on fantasy next season? Um, my Super Bowl pick, I think, uh, <laughs> I think before the season, I forget who I had. I think I had, like, I never really made an official pick, but I was leaning towards the Packers. I thought, you know, uh, Aaron Rodgers, as long as he's healthy, the offense will be good enough, and I thought their defense would be much improved. And, uh, yeah, you, we all know how that turned out. Um, I think I, I still had New England in the uh, AFC, I'm not sure. Um, and then before the Super Bowl uh, began, I had a bracket. I, if you notice, like, the, the Super Bowl... Uh, the, the teams that make the Super Bowl are usually the teams that, you know, turn out to be hot at the right time. And that, to me, was the Indianapolis Colts. I felt like their defense was much improved. I felt like their offensive line for sure was improved. And I just thought they were on a really nice run. I thought New England would be vulnerable. I didn't see them as strong as they've been in years past. I thought Kansas City might be just a little too young and not even too young, but uh, I just thought their defense was atrocious, and I thought the Colts would be able to keep up with them on the offensive end. Um, So they did upset the Texans, but as we all know, they got slaughtered by the Chiefs and, uh, you know, the Patriots and and the Chiefs. That was definitely a toss-up game, and then New England came out ahead. Um, So, yeah, my Super Bowl picks did not – turn out as good as my fantasy picks um and the repercussions i mean i think new england will still be strong they're always you know very well managed under the cap so i think they'll get another receiver i have a feeling gronk is going to come back for another year i don't think he's quite as bad as people think he is he, he did a lot better in the playoffs um and then, you know, when you got a running game to go along with the quarterback, yeah, Tom Brady might not be what he once was even a year ago, but he's not going to lose it for you, and he'll come up with enough plays to win it at the end as long as that defense can keep playing. Because to me, the defense is the real reason the Patriots won because that's the same reason they lost the year before to Philadelphia. The defense was atrocious, which is why I was, like, flabbergasted that – you know, Matt Patricia got a head coaching job where the defense wasn't even that good. Fast forward to this year, 
Flores did an amazing job as a defensive coordinator. I think he was kind of overlooked because, you know, everybody associates Belichick and the defense and everything like that. But I think Flores had a lot to do with it and the way they were able to switch up schemes. So as long as their defense could stay um, afloat the way they have, I think they'll have enough offense where they'll definitely be a threat once again next year. So how do you think people are going to overreact to players like Edelman and Sony Michelle's performance in the game because you know this is the biggest game a lot of people are watching that you know don't keep tabs on fantasy all year what do you think it's going to do to their stock in fantasy well yeah I mean they're always gonna overreact because people have short memories so whatever they you know remember last is what they're going to go by just like Gurley will probably slip um, I think Sony and Michelle and, and Sony Michelle and Edelman are going to be overvalued. Now, my my thing with Sony is I think as long as he's healthy, he's going to be a great great pick. I mean, he's going to be a top ten running back week in and week out because he's going to be the goal line back for a potent offense. I also expect him to get a few more targets next year because he is a capable receiver, um, and he's just a super talented guy. I mean, they picked him in the first round, which is something New England I don't think has ever done, a draft a running back in the first round for a reason. But, you know, the number one thing that's important to me is always injuries. The best ability is availability. And Sony Michelle had injury problems in college. It looks like he's going to have him in the NFL, and I don't really see that changing specifically because Sony Michelle is a very violent runner. And when you run the way he does, and if New England's going to continue to give him the amount of carries that he saw in the playoffs, then I don't think there's any way he's going to be able to stay healthy. Same thing with Edelman. Edelman also has a history of injuries. He's going to be 32. They're going to add another receiver, so that'll take a couple away, uh, away a couple more targets. But again, as long as he's healthy, he'll be able to produce. He'll be consistent. But I just, you know, I don't, I don't want to draft players that high where they'll probably go. Sony Michelle might even go as high as late two, three. Edelman might go three, four. You know, and then have that hole in my lineup. You know. Yeah, you don't want to take someone like Edelman over a guy like Devontae Adams or one of those other kind of maybe not top three receivers, but somebody who still provides a lot of value. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think anybody's going to take him over Devontae Adams, somebody like that. But, you know, just in that second tier, like that low wide receiver one, higher wide receiver two, you know, I, I, I'm not sure I would want him over somebody like, I don't know, um, T.Y. Hilton or something like that. Although I don't think he's probably going to go over T.Y. either. So I don't know if you just got this update. I just got this maybe a couple minutes ago. Um, on the herd, Colin Coward show, he just reported. I don't know where the hell this came from. That Russell Wilson wants out of Seattle and that the Giants are preferred destination or are the team that like wants him. Do you think this wow. has any? Do you think this has any credibility or? I mean. Colin Coward, I mean, he says a lot of crazy stuff, but I don't think, you know, he's going to just throw that out there if there wasn't some truth to it or if he didn't hear it from a credible source. Now, I question Colin when he speaks his opinion, but something like that is usually something they need, you know, to have some type of, you know, factual evidence, credibility from one of the, you know, big sports reporters or writers. So there probably is some validity to that, which is kind of surprising because, if Russ, you know, wanted out of Seattle, you would think it would have came, you know, a year or two years ago where they were doing bad. Where I know he's had a lot of issues in the past with defensive players. A lot of people felt like 
Seattle was coddling him, and you know, and Richard Sherman, I heard him and uh, Russ didn't get along. But now that all those guys are out there, this is uh, really surprising. Something that always stuck out to me about Russ is that he had, and this may be kind of exaggerating, but he had one foot in Seattle and another foot in mainstream. He, you know, kind of doing like the Kids' Choice Sports Awards or kind of being mainstream with Ciara and all that. And maybe New York is his preferred destination because of endorsements, media, etc. And it kind of makes sense to me in that sense. I just don't know why now, if anything, like you touched on. Because, you know, Seattle made a push to potentially be contenders in the playoffs last year and still had a lot of holes on the team, and I don't understand it, from personally. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I do understand it for the reasons you mentioned. I mean, New York, but not only from, I thought you brought up a good point. I, I never really saw Russ as that, but now that I think about it, you're right, with the Choice Awards with Sierra and things like that, and what better place to really capitalize that on that as New York. But New York's also a good football team. Like, let's not forget, that defense was not that bad, especially in the secondary. Their just offense was horrible. So, you know, you get tired of having to be on the field so much, and then, the weapons, I mean, he has on the offensive end are just ridiculous, um, you know, with uh, OBJ and Barkley and uh, Evan Ingram. So I could see why he would want to be in New York for both financial reasons and for your brand, as well as football reasons. So it makes sense. And honestly, the timing makes sense, too, because he's going to be a free agent, Um next season I think and uh, I, don't, I haven't heard of any contract extensions being spoken about with Seattle so it, the timing actually makes a lot of sense if you think about it this could be something to you know keep an eye on for fantasy for just the NFL kind of as a whole regardless could be a big yeah. thing His, it will probably be mainstream soon if they find out this is really credible so kind yeah, of diving yeah, I, I, in I didn't even know about this so uh I'll definitely be covering this big time. I think, you know, if Russ goes to the Giants, he's QB1 or QB2 for sure. Uh, I I don't know if I'd still pick him over Mahomes, but he'd be really darn close because Mahomes doesn't run as much as he does, and he'll now have, you know, a great offensive mind and Pat Shermer calling the plays, the weapons, and he has that added factor of being able to run the ball. So he'll be like QB1A or 1B, you know, with Mahomes if, if that indeed is the case. Yeah, it kind of would shift the whole landscape of the NFL fantasy and just the world as a whole. For sure. So kind of diving into the other uh, recent big event, what are your thoughts on Joe Flacco being traded to the Broncos? Did you like the move? Did you not like it? What was your thought? Yeah, I mean, of course I like the move. I mean, why wouldn't you like the move? It's, I mean, you give up what? What they give up, like a third or fourth round pick? Uh, fourth round this year. Yeah, exactly. You gave, you gave up a fourth-round pick for a starting quarterback. I mean, that's nothing. And uh, Joe has a proven track record of winning. I don't think he's the type of quarterback like a Russell Wilson or Aaron Rodgers that just could go out and win it for you. But if the right you know pieces are in place, I do think you could win with Joe Flacco. He's never had great receivers. I think these this group of Denver receivers are solid. I don't think they're great. But I do think they have some potential, definitely from a talent standpoint. They still got Emmanuel Sanders. I really like Cortland Sutton. Hamilton did good as well. So, you know, uh, even the other receiver, Patrick. So they got they got enough weapons. Philip Lindsay, 
you know, I think he'll have enough weapons as the defense could do their job where they could win with Joe Flacco. So I like the move. I still wouldn't draft him as a fantasy quarterback. I think it's a better real-life move. But I think it's a, a step in the, in the right direction for the Broncos. And $18 million a year is not that crazy for a starting quarterback these days. So talking about the Broncos a little, they were a big part of the head coaching carousel in the NFL that was wild this offseason. Um, personally, what was one hire you didn't like and one you loved? Um, I think uh, Cliff Kingsbury is one I didn't like. Um, I think, you know, the NFL, they always go, you know, it's based on parody. Everybody wants to copy everybody, and everybody, you know, now is looking for the next Sean McVay. And, yeah, he, you know, he put up some potent, you know, put up some offensive numbers when he was head coach and you know he had Mahomes and I get all that but you know he was also let go and he wasn't that successful in college so you're just going to give him an NFL job like it just doesn't make sense um because yeah he might be a good offensive mind but there's so much more to head coaching than being a good offensive mind you have to have the respect of the players and this guy is super young so I just don't get that higher uh I think they could have gone elsewhere, and I, I really question that, especially since, you know, Arizona Cardinals don't have that many weapons, um, and they have an aging defense as well, so I, I wasn't crazy about that. One hire that I loved, um, damn, I can't think of one off the back. I know there's one that I really like. Arians? Yeah. Oh, yeah, there you go. Thank you. You read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> um but, yeah, no, I love Bruce Arians. Well, first of all, I love Bruce Arians as a coach. And, and that's one guy that I'm going to be drafting in almost all my leagues is Jameis Winston. I think Jameis Winston is going to have a monster year. I mean, you you put Bruce Arians on that team, it changes everything. He changed Car- – Carlson Palmer was a dead fish in the water, and he came back and made him an MVP candidate. I don't think Palmer is nearly as talented as Winston, nor will he have the type of weapons that Winston has 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 at his disposal with Mike Evans, and they got uh, Chris Godwin, who I love. Um, they got the tight end Howard. They'll probably you know draft another running back or sign someone. So I really really like uh, that hire, and I think the 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 Bucks are a team to be reckoned with next year, and uh, I predict they'll be in the playoffs. One hire I really kind of questioned, and it's a little controversial because a lot of people were kind of either in the middle on him or just kind of liked it, was Zach Taylor to the Bengals. I think it was a nice, refreshing change of breath because of Marvin Lewis, but I think it was kind of going off the McVay spectrum a little too much. I don't think he was ready yet, but it's kind of will be seen. What was your opinion on that one? No, that's the other one I hate. I probably hate that even more than Kingsbury. I mean, it's just, the other thing is you got to think of the franchise. The Bengals are just, you know, they're just one of those franchises that they're a mess. You need, you need, you can't go from Marvin Lewis to, ha- to hire an unknown, especially when Marvin Lewis has had some success in the Bengals. Yeah, he never won a playoff game, but they were always competitive. They were always in the mix. And then you go to this guy, you know, they just don't have anything really going for them. They don't have a good defense. They don't have a good offense. I'm not. I'm. I'm one of those that don't believe in Andy Dalton as being a franchise quarterback. The only positive they have is Joe Mixon. I just think that's just the same thing with Kingsbury. It's just they have to do so much 
that you're going to put somebody like that who's an unknown for a team that's got really not much going for them. They're even in a worse situation than the Cardinals. So I don't like that hire at all. They needed somebody that has a proven track record that can really, really, you know, turn things around the same way like when the Chiefs hired Andy Reid. You know what I'm saying? He had a proven track record. He just, you know, kind of didn't win the big one. Um, but that's who the Bengals needed. It's, it's somebody that can really turn the franchise. You can't just give a franchise that's in disarray like the Bengals the keys to this young kid. It's not going to work. Shifting gears a little to the on-the-field playing aspect, one guy, I think he's one of the best all-time, and this might get you a little riled up, he was one of the guys you kind of uh, did an overrated section on on your page. I think you know who I'm talking about, Drew Brees. And I do understand part of your theory on him, but can you explain to the listeners your opinion on Drew Brees? Well, Drew Brees is an all-time great quarterback. Um, so when I say he's overrated, I just mean he's not in the Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, um, Peyton Manning, Joe Montana. I don't believe he's an all-time. I don't believe he's a top. And great, and a lot of people that believe that is because they're young. They're 18. They haven't, you know, watched as much football as I have, and they don't realize because they started watching football in this offensive era. So they don't realize that before this era, the NFL was very different. It wasn't so easy to just go in there and sling the ball 30, 40 times. Teams used to focus more on the run. Running backs used to get 20 to 30 carries, not 10 to 15 the way they do now. Uh, teams were able to actually, you know, just kill the quarterback. If a quarterback got too hot, a team would put bounties on him and take him out the game. That's why all these quarterbacks in the past, Dan Marino, Joe Montana, all these guys suffered multiple con- Concussions, multiple injuries, season-ending injuries, and you don't see that. Look, Drew Brees has been, he had one, you know, injury earlier in his career, and then he's never been touched since, pretty much. So you have to take all this into account. Would Drew Brees be that good if he didn't play in the Dome his whole career under Sean Payton? And I know he was drafted by the Chargers, but, you know, mostly his career. If he didn't play in the Dome, if he wasn't in a weak conference, if he didn't have Sean, you know what I'm saying? Like, he, he's not one of those quarterbacks, I believe, that you could put him on any team and he'll be successful. I think he'll be good, but I don't think he'll be like what he's been in New Orleans. But I think if you take a pretty decent quarterback and you put him in New Orleans under that system with Sean Payton playing in the Dome, I think they could put up similar numbers to Drew Brees. That's why I don't consider him like Aaron. You could put Aaron Rodgers on any team, Peyton Manning on any team, and they're going to do work regardless. They don't need that system. So that's why I feel Drew Brees is a tad bit overrated, and it shows, too, when he plays against tougher defenses. Drew Brees did not have a good second half of the season, or at least the last four or five games, and that also bled into the playoffs as well, where he threw that you know, game-costing interception, because regardless of what anybody says, yeah, the refs blew that call, but they still had, I mean, he scored that touchdown, and they're going to the Super Bowl, but instead, you know, he threw an interception. So that's why I believe Drew Brees is overrated. So, right now in Pittsburgh, it's kind of crazy. Where do you think, and kind of is an understatement, where do you think Antonio Brown and Le'Veon are going to find themselves next season? And where do you think their best fit in a fantasy perspective would be? Um, I mean, 
I don't think the market is going to be huge for either or because the type of both of them are kind of similar. You know, they I don't think Le'Veon Bell is really dramatic. I don't really believe that's going to be an issue with him as it is with with Brown. But you know, he could be a little bit of a drama queen, but not not to the extent, not so much on the football field. It's the other stuff off the field about you know his lifestyle and being a rapper and things like that that may turn some teams away. But at the end of the day, I think it all comes down to money. Who can afford these guys? And, uh, you know, the only team I could really see Le'Veon Bell going to that makes any kind of sense would either be the, uh, the Jets, for sure, because they have a ton of, of, of cap space, so they could take on that contract easily. And it makes sense. I mean, he would, he would you know, just catapult that offense. They need a big playmaker. They have a young quarterback. You know, it would be good for them to have a nice young running back slash running back receiver um, to, to, to give Sam Darnold. So that makes a ton of sense. Um, the other team is the Bucks. I mean, if the Bucks were to get Le'Veon Bell, oh, my God. I mean, they're already going to be a crazy offense. But, you know, I think he would fit in good in Tampa. He, he obviously likes Florida. He spent most of his time in Miami. And with Arians and, you know, Winston, I just think he'd be a great fit in Tampa. And then to a lesser extent, the Colts. So I only say the Colts because they have like $100 million to spend. So, uh, But, you know, they have Marlon Mack. Um, they have Naheem Hines, who I like a lot. But Mack is one of those guys that I'm kind of weary of just because he is another one that's injury prone. So I wouldn't rule it out at the Colts, but that would be my rankings. Jets, Bucks, Colts. For Antonio Brown, I think the most sense is the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, they have a pretty respectable coach. Um, he hasn't really got to show his true talent because they've had to deal with so many injuries. And, you know, San Francisco was at a low point when he got there. But I have faith in um, – what's the guy's name again? Jesus Christ. Um, can you help me here? What's the 49ers coach? Oh, uh, oh my gosh, Shanahan. <laughs> Shanahan, yeah, Shanahan. So, yeah, so I have faith in Shanahan. Um, that's an offense that I think they'll make it their business to get Antonio Brown the ball. I think Jimmy G is a respectable quarterback. So, Antonio Brown has to go to a veteran team because if he goes to one of these young quarterbacks, he could totally, you know, kill their career because there's just going to be so much pressure and he's such a bully to get him the ball that he needs to go to a veteran team. He can't go to the Jets. That would be a disaster. Uh, but, you know, the Colts would make sense, too. Um, so I think he'd be a good fit in either the Colts or Niners. I thought I even think the Browns would be a great fit. I know, you know, oh, wow. Mayfield kind of contradicts what I said because Mayfield's a young quarterback, but I don't think Pittsburgh would trade him in the division. But the Browns need a receiver. They have money, and I think they have a strong enough quarterback, too. And then, you know, I'm sure him and Landry would get, get along. I just think he'd be a good fit, but I don't necessarily see him going there. Antonio Brown is pretty much going to be, for me, the 49ers. Um, I don't think the Packers are going to pay him, you know, that type of money, although that would be a good fit, too, in, in, in Green Bay. But, you know, I'm pretty sure he, he'll end up with the 49ers. So we touched on a little earlier the Russell Wilson thing, and just got another update. Apparently, CR is the one pushing for uh, a big part of him heading to New York if he was going to get traded to any of the places. Mm. That, you know. well, that makes sense. It might help her career too. Yeah, <laughs> you know, get a two for one special there. Makes sense. 
So you are, aside from being very educated in fantasy football as on the perspective and doing the social media, you're also a fantasy football rapper, and you're kind of breaking ground in that sense. What made you want to do that, and why is it something, you know, it helps you stick out a lot, but why do you think it helps you stick out in a crowded world of fantasy football advice givers? Yeah, I mean, for me, I just love, I love writing. Um, I love sports and I love music, uh, especially hip hop, predominantly hip hop. So, I forgot what it was. I was just like, it was weird the way it came up. I decided to do an NBA disc. I forget, I forget what was the news or something. I think it had to do with like Carmelo being traded or something like that when he first got traded to the Knicks a couple years back. And I just did a rap about NBA players. It didn't even start off with football. And my friend gave me the idea, like, you should be a, a, a sports rapper. And then I love fantasy football. Like, I've, I've been playing. This is the thing. This is why I say, like, I, I got a leg above both, most competition. I've been playing fantasy football since about 1997. Some of you guys weren't even born in 97. So I've been playing for a long, long time. Always loved fantasy football. I actually started with fantasy baseball, but the season was just too long. And then, so from there, my friend was like, you should be a sports rapper. So it started rapping about sports, but then I just start, decided to focus on fantasy football since I'm so obsessed and I'm not quite as into sports as I once was just because fantasy football, it's a competition. There's money involved. I'm huge on drafting. So that's why I'm so, you know, in tune with fantasy football because it's like money on the line and it's competition and it's about being the best. So I still keep track of football like it's my job so yeah i just decided to blend those together and i started getting some traction i knew i was good at fantasy football i knew you know people if i could get eventually get people to listen to me that they would and give me a chance to prove myself that you know i could grow and you know the rest is history you touched on something that i actually have started to struggle with as i've kind of gotten to the writing game and now the podcasting game of you know, as you get very into one aspect of sports, you kind of lose your fandom a little for certain teams. And even though you're still a diehard fan, you lose kind of the drive and you see things from different perspectives. And in a way, it's kind of sad, but in another way, it's kind of good because you opened your eyes to what other people are feeling and what other people um, go through with their teams. And it gives you a new perspective in your field. But uh, who is your favorite NFL team, even if it's kind of floundered a little with the fantasy football being your main thing? Yeah, I mean, it's hard. Because the thing is, like, you have teams, but then you lose track. Because, you know, when you have a team, they're always constantly uh, switching players and coaches. And, you know, and then they'll go, like, I I grew up a 49er fan. But then there was years that they were just horrible. And then they got good. And then... You know, they'll do stuff like, I was so upset when they um, got rid of Jim Harbaugh. I thought, you know, management had a big ego, and that was just stupid. Um, so then you get upset. But I also like when they hired now, you know, John Lynch. I think he's done a good job being general manager. Kyle Shanahan, who I couldn't even remember his name. Um, so, you know, I would still lean towards the 49ers. But, again, when your team's thinking, it's 
you know, you lose track. Because then you're in the position where, okay, if you're going to be bad, I'd rather be really bad because then you get a higher draft pick. So then people think you're kind of like, you know, not being a true fan. But I am being a true fan because what's the sense of being like, you know, six and ten. I'd rather be two and twelve, and then you know, get a higher pick. So, uh, you know, Forty ers But nowadays, it's like it's all about fantasy, and I find myself even sometimes rooting against the Niners if I got a player, you know, on my team because the Niners at the end of the day are not making me money. So if you know, I need Nick Chubb to score all over the Niners, I'm gonna lean towards Nick Chubb if I pick them and. And, and I hate that, too, because I'm doing my drafting lineups. It's like, damn, I'm picking guys against my own team because, you know, the 49ers, their run defense sucks. And, you know what I'm saying? So it's pretty crazy. But uh, 49ers, if I had to lean. So my last question would be, what made you want to do this when in a kind of time where there's a lot of people like Roto Ballers, um, Fantasy Headliners, that give this fantasy advice what made you want to do this, and how come you don't, you know, charge money or do one of these, you know, make it not as easily accessible for fans? Um, well, you know, eventually I do want to make this money off this, but I feel like you have to prove yourself. And what made me want to do it, I see so much garbage out there, to be honest with you. Um, not everybody. There's some good analysts out there, but, like, you know... I, I knew I had a, a special... The way I play fantasy football is very different. I've never seen anybody play quite the way I play, and I've had a lot of success with it. So, like I was saying earlier, if I had the chance to prove myself, I think people would start... And I took risks, because some of the stuff, like the Drew Brees, like, you know, some of these guys that I said earlier in the year that are going to be bust, like, I took a lot... Of, like, it wasn't easy, and I could have really... I could have really lost big. I could have really looked, made myself look like an idiot, but I take risks. A lot of these analysts, what I like to say is a lot of these analysts are reactive. Like, they say stuff and they report stuff after it happens. I'm proactive. I try to be a year ahead of the game, kind of like New England. You know, they get rid of players a year too early rather than a year too late. Pittsburgh does the same thing. I try to do the same thing with fantasy football. So I knew I had a particular way of playing. I knew it was successful. And I knew I was, quite frankly, doing, I knew I was better than these guys that were doing it. And that's, that was my motivation. And I want to continue to grow and uh, help more, more of guys like you. Well, thank you. And what I was going to say is the proactive mentality that you have helped me immensely this season. Because when I started out, I had Dak. And I showed you my roster because I didn't start following you until a little after the fantasy season had just kind of got underway. And I showed you my roster, and the one thing you said to me was, you should probably find someone for Dak. He's going to have a rough start. You nailed that right on the head. And then I asked you, like, is there one quarterback you think I could get for cheap? And you said Baker Mayfield. And then Mayfield comes in for Tyrod, lights it up, and then I found a way to swap Mayfield for Prescott once you told me Prescott would emerge. And that put me right into the fantasy playoffs. And I can't thank you enough for that. And I can't thank you enough for coming on the podcast and filling all my listeners in with knowledge and just filling me in with more knowledge. So thank you very much. Thank you, Dylan. It's been a pleasure. So guys, follow at SportLibs on Instagram. And do you have a Facebook too? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to be doing a lot more content on Facebook, Twitter. I've kind of been 
you know, leaving those alone. But, uh, yeah, you can follow me, any one of those, YouTube, at SportsLive. I'm always here to answer any of you guys' questions, and uh, it's fun for me. So uh, anybody that's struggling out there, if you need some reinforcements on some of your deals, some of your pickups, some dynasty leagues, I'm all for it. Thank you very much for coming on, Birdo, and have a good one. All right, you too, bud. Once again, I want to thank Birdo for taking the time out of his schedule to come on Ambitious. I want everyone right now, right now, to go on to Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and search Sports Libs. If you are a fantasy football player like me, you will not regret it. Seriously, the guy is smart. He is a genius with this stuff, and I am promising you that. On Saturday, I'll be back with a new episode. I'm going to be with Sam Straub, quarterback from Southern Illinois. It's a really fun interview. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts, and I'll see you on Saturday.